the book of Titus, Titus chapter number three, Titus chapter number three, and thank you for the music. And uh, I've got to be honest with you, I had planned on being a little bit shorter this evening, but I hear that thunderstorm out there. And so that is just God saying, just, just, just take as long as you want. And all God's people said, yes. y'all don't want to get wet. It's not about the preaching. Uh, Titus chapter number three, and we have had a wonderful day today, and God has been so good to us, and uh, my heart has just been full. Uh, of course, uh, my wife and I, were, we got away a little bit, and I did get some much-needed rest, and, uh, and, I, and I appreciate that opportunity to do so, but looking forward to getting back and seeing, see, seeing everybody, and uh, just a wonderful, wonderful day, and certainly when you get into God's Word, and, uh, and God, the, the Bible is just wonderful, isn't it? And the things that God has for us. And I've enjoyed being in the book of Titus. And uh, I have a, a message tonight uh, that I want to give. And then Wednesday night, I put on doing one more Bible study from this book before we move on to something else. Um, but uh, tonight, is, it'd, be, it'd be kind of fitting. Uh, I didn't plan it this way, but of course, the Farbers are leaving us. Been has been, been a fixture here for uh, a long time. And uh, I want us to come to the end of when I tell you what I'm preaching on tonight, you'll kind of understand, but it's good for all of us to see this, the end of the book of Titus, Titus chapter 3, and I want to begin with verse number 12. Let me remind you very quickly, the beginning part of chapter number 3, Paul has given Titus instruction of how to deal with different types of people. If you think back to a Bible study we did, there's those who were lost, how to deal with them, those who were saved, how to deal with them, those who are heretics, how to deal with them. Then he ends his letter with what we see in verse number 12. When I shall send Artemis unto thee, Artishicus be diligent to come unto me to Nicopolis, for I have determined there to winter. Bring Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they be not unfruitful. All that are with me salute thee, Greet them that love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. How often do we read the end of epistles and just read through them and get to the next uh, book? Uh, but as we've seen in past studies, there's a lot that is contained as Paul signs off, if you will. And tonight I want to preach on this subject, the final instructions and farewell. The final instructions and farewell. Father, help us tonight as we look into your word. May we see some things, learn some things, be reminded of some wonderful truths uh, to this evening. May we be blessed by what we hear. May we be challenged by what we hear. And Father, I pray that tonight uh, would be a night that helps your church. Uh, Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope nobody left their windows down. Uh, Titus, of course, receives instructions from the Apostle Paul. As I look at these epistles, these letters that Paul writes, I've, I've got to tell you now that as I go and I begin studying these books and passages of Scripture, I start at the beginning, first few verses, then I go to the end to see how the letter ends off because it gives me a good perspective of the frame of mind of the Apostle Paul. How we've seen and in past studies on ministry companions, if you remember that study we were in for some time, all of these different companions meant something to Paul. They had a story of their own. 
Now, we preached on it this morning, and we've brought several messages from this letter to Titus and the importance of Titus doing what Paul has instructed him to do. It was important that he go to Crete, set some things in order that were wanting. It was important that he held to the Word of God. It was important that he understood that he was there on God's authority, and there were some things that he was to deal with that he was not to back down from, and there was a people who needed the Lord desperately. We've seen all of those things, and I'm, I'm mindful of chapter 2 when Paul shifts a little bit and says, now, as for your ministry, this is what some things that you're supposed to do. We've seen, I remind us before we read our text tonight in this chapter, chapter number 3, the wisdom in dealing with different people. There's a way to deal with lost people. There's a way to deal with saved people. There's a way that the church people are supposed to respond. There's a way to deal with a heretic, a false teacher. And as he signs off, there are many things that I think we can be reminded of that should be helpful to us and keep our mind and our focus on that which is important. We have the instructions to Titus. In these instructions, and quite frankly, these important instructions, one of the pastoral epistles, we get some guidelines for how we're to conduct ourselves inside the local church, requirements of a pastor, how we're supposed to deal with the, the day we lived in, live in as I preached this morning. In the midst of that, when we see the beginning of the book and the end of the book, we see the humanity of Paul in these instructions. Let us never forget that those that God used to pen the scripture were just as much flesh and blood as you and I. They had real relationships. They had real problems. They had real difficulty. But God chose them, placed them in a specific time, in a specific day, to use them in a very unique way. But they were real people. Boy, if you look at the Apostle Paul, and what a Christian. Well, what, a, what a man of God. What a Christian. Uh, it was certainly, humanly speaking, there's a standard of Christianity that all of us should look at and say, that was, a, was, a, was an amazing Christian man. God used him in a great way. He had, he had authority from the Spirit of God. He had power from the Spirit of God. He had boldness that came from the Spirit of God. He accomplished a, a unique responsibility that God had chosen for him. But Paul was human. Paul had boldness, but Paul had frailty. Paul had strength. Paul had weakness. The ministry of Paul was widespread ministry. But I hope through the years as we've studied different things in and out of series, we've seen that the humanity of Paul, but there's also God gave Paul others to do the work with him. God gave others, the Apostle Paul, to do work with him. May we all be reminded tonight, and the purpose of, of this message tonight is to remind all of us that we have a common goal, we have a, we have a common purpose as God's people, and that's to do the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And whatever role God gives us, may we stay focused on that. I'm reminded once again of the relationships and joy of serving the Lord with the people we serve with. Can I just, can I just, can I do this, do this for me tonight? If nobody else gets anything out of this, I like being saved. I like serving the Lord. Now, hold on. You might have trouble with this. This might surprise you. I like serving the Lord with you. I don't have any choice. Somehow, I'll make the best of it. 
But let's be honest. This is who God has put together. What a joy and a privilege it is for us to serve the Lord together. And for however long God keeps us on this earth and serving in this capacity, yes, let's keep our eyes on the Lord. Let's keep our eyes focused on the, and the work at hand for us to do. But don't lose, fact, don't lose the, the sight of the fact that we get to serve the Lord together. I don't know why this just amazes me, but many times I scratch my head and say, why did God put us all together? God has chosen for us to serve Him together. God put us here on this planet at this time together. And He allows us to be together. I mean, look at this bunch tonight. They, they come from a lot of different backgrounds. Come from a lot of different places, but we get to serve the Lord together. You know this. You've been here a long time like I have. I mean, I grew up in this church. I now pastor people who were my teachers. And oh, what a joy that is, let me tell you. I've grown up here. I bring that out to say we have lived our life. We haven't just served the Lord together. We've lived our lives together. Our children, as they grow up here, they serve the Lord together. Their lives are intertwined. We know things about people we wish we did not know because we're just so close together. Don't take that for granted. I sense that from the Apostle Paul every time I read him signing off. It's always in recollection of somebody. And we'll see that in just a moment. It's a greeting from others to others. As great a man as the Apostle Paul was, he never made it about himself. He made it about the work. He made it about others. And I'm reminded of some things that I, I think if we don't take note, we can get so busy in the work that we forget what the work is. We can get so busy in the work that we forget who it is that we get to labor with, we get to work with. It's a joy to be part of the Emmanuel Baptist Church. It's a joy to be part of God's church. We get to live our lives together. Now, maybe sometimes you're like, well, I wish God didn't put them here. Well, I'll tell you there's somebody thinking that about you too. But what a joy it is. Let me get to the outline tonight. But it sounds like I've got plenty of time. I need to cut off early to take a special offering because y'all can't go nowhere. Uh, anyway, number one, I notice in these final instructions in farewell the brevity of fellowship. Look at verse number 12. When I shall send Artemis unto thee, Artishicus, be diligent to come unto me, to Nicopolis, for I have determined there to winter. Paul is writing and he's saying, I'm going to try and send somebody to stand in your stead so possibly you can come back to me because the winter's approaching. This is where I'm spending the winter. You know, in these days, you couldn't move about as freely as you can now due to different seasons. But as I read that, I think that I have determined, he says, when I shall send these to you, for I have determined there to winter. You know, there was a time Titus accompanied Paul. There was a time when Paul accompanied Titus. Now, because of the work Titus is going to Crete, Paul's not there. Now, I can sense and Scripture would, would, would reveal to us the relationship that Paul had with Titus, a young man that he had invested in. 
no doubt enjoyed his fellowship, no doubt enjoyed his friendship. But now, because of the work, he was in another place. And it, th- and it reminds me, I wonder, when they first began to labor together, was there any sense of, eventually, this is going to come to an end? And, and, I, and I say that to say things like, I think back to when my, my father was pastoring as a young man, I always, for some reason, always remember this. From time to time, he would say, make this statement or something like this, hey, you better take advantage of the opportunity we have in church today or tonight. It may be the last time this group ever assembles together. And there's certainly some truth to that. And no doubt as Paul and Titus are laboring together, there was a time when they were together and Titus could go directly to Paul and say, Paul, what do you think about this? And Paul can look to Titus and say, you know, I've been thinking about this. This is something you need to remember. Now they were apart. There is a breath. As long as we fellowship, let me remind us, the time is going to come. We're going to look back and say, where did all that time go? There was a time when they were together. I look at verse number 15. All that are with me salute thee. Greet them that love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. All with me salute you. Can I just say, all, say this tonight as we move through the outline? Don't take for granted those you serve with. Don't take for granted the one you serve, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the greatest life in the world. Young people, don't ever forget this. Young adults all the way up, the greatest life in the world is serving the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no greater life. It's not even close. There's no greater life. Isn't it wonderful that God allows all of us to serve him in some capacity? What he has for me may be different than what he has for you, but it's not less important because that's what God has for you. That's what God has for me. The greatest life in the world is serving the Lord Jesus Christ. If we did that in a vacuum, as hard as that, as silly as that sounds, but it had no effect, it would still be a wonderful thing to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But we get to serve him together. Well, don't take for granted who you get to serve the Lord with. Why well, I say this often, and sometimes when you travel and you go to other churches, and this isn't necessarily a criticism of other churches, although some, they, 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 it's warranted. Well, Pastor, there's just no place like home. There's no place like this church. There's no place. Well, I, I've, I've grown up in this church. I get the pastor of this church. I believe the greatest people in the world are in, in this church. There's great Christians here. I had somebody say to me, not too long ago, say, you just don't seem to be impressed with preachers' fellowships and, and all of these things. And this is my response to them. Um, you don't know who I go to church with. You don't know the, understand the caliber of people that I get to pastor. The greatest people in the world. Don't, don't take for granted who you get to serve the Lord with. Because it is really, time does fly. And it is true, the older you get, the faster it goes. Kids, your grandma's not lying, and it's true. So I see the brevity of fellowship. There came an end. So let's take, take, don't take for granted the fellowship that we have now. Number two. I find instruction in verse number 13 to aid others in the work. Bring Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey diligently that nothing be wanting unto them. In the midst of these instructions that Paul has given to Titus, he's not thinking of himself, he's thinking of the work. He's thinking of the investment. He says, oh, by the way, Titus, 
If it's not enough for you to be concerned about that the people you're going to minister to are liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies, there's something else I want you to consider. If it's not enough for you to understand the responsibility that you have as a pastor, as a preacher, there's some things that you need to make sure you do. And bear in mind that when you deal with lost people, you need to deal with them this way. You deal with saved people, you need to deal with them this way. When you deal with heretics, you need to deal with them this way. And all of those, those who are teaching us all that false doctrine, you stand against them. Oh, and by the way, here's two individuals. You help them too. Make sure they don't need anything. It was always about helping others in the work. Who was Zenos? This is the only time he's mentioned in the Bible. He was a lawyer, the scripture tells us. Likely not a lawyer like you and I think of a lawyer, but one who knew the law, knew the scriptures, who could expound on the scriptures, no doubt had been converted. And what a great asset he would be to the cause of Christ, somebody who understood the law, having trusted Christ and not the law, who could point others to the Savior. A policy is mentioned in the book of Acts. What is said about him, he was mighty in the scriptures. These two are mentioned here kind of as a, as a side note. Oh, by the way, help them see that they're, as they're on their journey diligently that nothing be wanting unto them. Again, here's another example how it was never about Paul. It wasn't even about Titus. It was about the work. You know, we as God's people need to be reminded of that. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the cause of Christ. Well, Pastor, why do we do what we do? Because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his work. You know, we ought to get, but we need a revival of, and I want to help somebody who, who has the same goal as I have. And I want to help those along the way. Friend, who have you helped lately? Keep going. You want to help? We say, well, I don't know these guys. Well, okay, let's put it in context of the way we live. You go to, work, you go to church with a lot of people. Who are you helping along the way? We got to be willing to help those along the way to keep the work going. In the business of your ministry, Titus, be available to help others. Let's not get so caught up in the cause that we neglect those that are for the same cause. He's reminding Titus, don't get so big. These two, they need help. I, I see that we ought to aid others in the work. And then number three, this is something that we all need to pay close attention to. As we get to, and, and, by, and by the way, these were important men. They were faithful men. Uh, these were men that were usually, Paul thought enough of them to say, if they need some help, Make sure they get the help along the way. But look at verse 14. And let others also, let and let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. I believe what Paul is saying here is number three, be real. Just be real. You know what this world needs is for Christians just to be real. Being real is not being spooky. Just be real. Sometimes, and some of you could give testimony of this, sometimes when coworkers or people you meet, they know you go to church and they know you're a Christian, they talk to you, it's like, and they say, they say this, you know, you're a pastor, but you're a real person. Like, shh, don't tell anybody. But you know, we need that. We need to be real people. Notice what he said. He said, let ours. I believe he's talking about our friends, us, Christians, us as laborers. 
let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses. More than one time, Paul brings up in this epistle to Titus, works. Not in the context of works leading to salvation, because we know that works cannot save you. It's grace. He's very clear, even in this epistle. But because of our salvation, there should be works. And I, quite frankly, I think one thing that is missing from the life of many Christians is, are the works that come from salvation, the works that salvation produces, the things that the Christian life ought to produce uh, from the life of a Christian. He's saying we ought to be real to maintain those good works for necessary uses, everyday life. It is important for you as a Christian to be someone who there's works that are produced. What are you doing for the cause of Christ? Are we saved tonight? And as a Christian, what are we doing for his cause? We'll sit back in from the political spectrum and those that are just sitting and doing nothing and, and, and you say, well, they, don't, they didn't even vote. They ought to vote. I agree with that. Let's put it in, in a spiritual context. Are we as a Christian the equivalent of that? And we don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't do anything. We don't contribute to anything. We make no point to make any effort. What Paul is writing to Timothy, or Titus, he's saying, reminding them, all of us, we need to be real. Why is that? Notice the end of verse 14, that they be not unfruitful. We've already seen in this epistle, we preached on it this morning, about the atmosphere, the people of Crete. The climate of that day, if you will, was not an easy group of people. Paul signs off, having admonished and given all these instructions. He says, Titus, be real. What's going to make a difference is that they see Christians, ours, in our everyday life, we just serve the Lord, we go to our workplace, we do what we're expected to do, they see the, the works, and there's a good testimony of the fact that God's grace is good, God makes a difference, and we're just going to do what we are supposed to do, be real. Christian, that affects a society. The Christian life is real and produces it should produce a productive life. It should produce a, a life that brings joy and peace. That makes a difference. Oh, your neighbors know you go to church. If they hear you fussing all throughout the week, what kind of testimony is that? Not a good one. This is what Paul is, is saying. We need to be real. We need to see those works. Oh, the people you work with know you go to church or they should get the idea there's something different. But if they don't see a difference, if you're not real, then it's not going to have the effect that it needs to have. Can you imagine if everybody who names the name of Christ in our country just lived their Christianity? What a difference it would make. I used to use this term all the time when I had teen church many, many years ago. And it was on the public school team, the bus team level. And so if you get it, you know what level you're on tonight. I always talked about the secret agent Christians. And I'm a Christian, I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Because it's my secret identity. 
There's too many Christians, and we, we'd use that in humor in, 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 in a setting like that, but quite frankly, there's too many Christians that uh, your Christianity is too secretive. It ought to show. There ought to be some godliness there. And so that it makes an effect be real. It affects society. That is what we need. When you go to work tomorrow, work hard. Work hard. But you ought to be excited about being saved. You ought to understand what it means to be a Christian. What God did for you on Sunday ought to show on Monday. Be real. Then I see number four. I see, and you'd have to be saved to really understand this, and we are tonight. I trust that we all are. You'd have to be a part of a church like the Emmanuel Baptist Church to really understand this. So we should understand this tonight. You'd have to have a relationship like Paul had with his ministry companions to really understand this verse. Verse 15, all that are with me salute thee. I wonder what confidence that gave Titus. All that are with me salute thee. Greet them that love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. I find number four in this farewell and final instructions, the love represented among the brethren. You know God's people are commanded to love each other. I just, it's just not in my nature. Well, there's a lot of things that aren't in your nature, but you're still supposed to do it. We're commanded to love one another. Matter of fact, we're told that how do people know that we're saved, that we're followers of Christ, that we love one another. We know, we know they know we're his disciples, that we love one another. That should be evident. That should be obvious. I see the love represented among the brethren. All that are with me salute thee. Some that were with Paul knew Titus. I wonder, Scripture doesn't tell us all this, but if you just think of personal relationships and Titus being reached as a young man, I wonder who else besides Paul invested in Titus. There's some there that knew him. And oh, they prayed for Titus. This is a... This is a big responsibility. This is an important thing for the cause of Christ. Boy, and, and, and some there knew Titus. Some perhaps were a little surprised. You know how it is. So-and-so is, feels called to the ministry. So-and-so is, oh, bless their heart. They're sincere, but I don't see how God would ever. I'm sure there were some perhaps that were like, wow, Titus is doing a lot more than I ever thought. Right, Brother Bland, when I was in your Sunday school class on that camping trip? I haven't told that story in a long, long time. I'll give you the short version if you don't know it. I'm in third grade. He's my third grade Sunday school teacher. He takes us camping at Goldhead State Park. For some reason, there was a, our campsite was next to a Girl Scout troops, and somehow in the middle of the night, all their tents fell. Nobody understands how that happened, but that's how it happened. The moral of the story is, if you're a Sunday school teacher and you take third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade boys out camping, don't go to sleep first. That's the moral of the story on that. <laughs> it had been a while since I've told that, so I, I think tonight it's appropriate. I have no idea how that tied in or what that even means. Oh, 
I'm sure there were some like Victor Bland, as my son told you, say, that boy ain't never going to amount to anything. <laughs> and he was probably right. Um, there were some there, that, some there that knew Titus. I'm certain there were some there that did not know Titus. But they knew Paul. They knew the work. They knew the importance of what was being done. There was a love there that can only be explained because of the love that is in our heart after we trust Christ as our Savior. Because there's some love that is not natural. There, so there were some that knew Titus. There were some that did not know Titus. And he said, all them that are with me. You know, no matter what you're doing serving the Lord, and this is something to keep in mind, as we interact with others, and there's some tonight that are next door keeping your kids, it's nice for everybody once in a while to hear, hey, we recognize what you're doing, and I want you to know we're with you. We're for you. Instead of always complaining because something wasn't done the way it shouldn't have been done, or this wasn't, yeah, we have our responsibilities, and there's nothing wrong with, with, with needing to get things done. But he says, all those that are with me salute thee. But then as we've already read, he said, greet them that love us in the faith. Lost person cannot understand this. But there's a love in the heart of believers for other believers. Not in my heart. Well, you need to check your salvation. Or you need to check your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Or as I preached this morning, there's something in your heart that should not be there. Well, you saying that you have to like everybody? No, there's people I love that I don't even like them. So that sounds weird. Yeah, but it's a fact. And if you think about it, it's true in your life too. Where do we get this idea that as God's children that we're supposed to like everybody in order to love them? Well, they just just rubbed me the wrong way. Okay, you're supposed to love them anyway. Because the cause, we need everybody in the cause. Oh, we need a revival of this amongst Christians today in general. The cause of Christ is too great. We need everybody to not go around discouraging somebody to to try and get, get people out of the fight. We need to keep them in the fight. But he says, all greet them that love us in the faith. He knew that there were some there that loved them. Greet them that love us in the faith. Well, you ought to, let me just say this again. We said it this morning, but there ought to be, if there's something in your heart, if you have unforgiveness towards somebody, I want you to realize how big of a deal that is. If you're bitter at somebody, that's not a small thing. That's a big thing. Oh, we need revival. You can, we can't have revival. A church cannot have revival if there's bitterness and unforgiveness in their heart. Because in order to love a lost world like we should, we've got to love one another. We've got to care for one another. And I thank God that this church exhibits that. But we ought to have a love for one another. We ought to be pulling for one another. He says, the love that's in the faith. There is and there should be a love amongst the brethren. What do you love your church? Oh, I love my church. When you say that, you don't love this building. It's shaped funny. 
When we were in the tent, you didn't love the tent, you loved your church. I, I hear those, that thunder out there, and I'm glad we're not in the tent, aren't you? What makes this place special? Don't ever lose sight of this. It's the people. It's one another. And that's why as we reach people with the gospel, and, and we have visitors as we do each and every week, and they return and they return, we ought to be very quick to extend a hand of fellowship and a hand of friendship. And there is a spirit of love here, and there is a, a spirit of kindness here, because we are all on the same team, if you will. We all have the same Savior. We should all have the same goal. If it's not that way in our church, it's because somebody's taking their eyes and their focus off of the main thing. When we start to look at the way we feel and what we want and not what God has commanded, that's when we get sidetracked. Well, I guess as I summarize this and we conclude this evening, I want us to take advantage of our opportunity to do something big for God. But we're a close church. I thank God for that. It needs to stay that way. And as it grows, we need to stay a close church. You can't have a relationship with everybody. Some of you have been members for years and you still don't know everybody. And in some cases, probably a good thing. But as we grow, well, as we grow, we just don't, we just, we just don't, there's no way. But you know what you can say? Those that sit on this side, to those that sit on that side, all of us greet you. And then this side can say, all of us greet you. Hey, we're all in this together. Well, I just don't think those in their team department are doing, hey, we're all in it together. Pray for them. Well, I just, that school teacher, I just don't know if they're qualified. They're qualified, but why don't you pray for them? Well, those nursery workers, they just, and by the way, nursery, if you can hear me over there, it's not a place to gossip. Is that an amen I hear? Amen, all right. But you, instead of complaining all the time, if you have a concern for safety, whatever, but just because somebody didn't fold the blanket the way you folded the blanket, a thank you might be in order. I'm thankful for the ladies who are willing to stay over there and watch those children so that we can have church. That's a sacrifice that they make. I'm thankful for that. Here, once in a while, it's okay for them to hear, you're doing a good job. The ushers. God help him. Well, he, he didn't even know I was standing outside the door. And he, he put me on this side but instead of putting me on the outside. We'll get here on time and pick your own seat. But anyway, he, he put me, they put me over. Hey, every once in a while, you never notice an usher until they're not doing what they need. If somebody's out of place, it's like those ushers. When are they ever going to get it together? I'll help you with that. Have you seen our... No. You don't even think about the ushers for years, and then the one time something's a little out of joint, it's like, those ushers. Sometimes it's going to say, you know what, ushers? Good job. I mean, we put a target on their back. We make them wear the same color coat so you know who they are. So when the pastor says, ushers, everybody's like, it's those guys. It's them. 
Every once in a while, I say, I appreciate what you're doing. Well, aren't those that participate in the musical blessing? Well, so-and-so missed that note. Maybe. Maybe you just don't know what note they were supposed to hit. But, oh, it's wonderful to be blessed by those that work so that we can enjoy the music. The point I'm making is, well, every once in a while, we got to look at our church and say, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for saving us, but thank you for allowing us to serve you together. We got to have a love in our heart for our church family like nobody. I'm for all of those who are for the cause of Christ. But these are the people that God has assembled together to serve Him. There ought to be a love in our Take advantage of the opportunity as a church. Realize who we serve the Lord with. And there's a danger for our children and our grandchildren as they grow up in this ministry. They don't realize how good they have it. And we, always, we only see the flaws, as I pointed out just a moment ago. Everybody's got flaws. Things aren't done perfectly around here. Well, I just don't know why. There's things I look at, I'm like, why in the, what in the world? Why, why, why are we doing that? Well, Pastor, four years ago, you said do it. Well, what, what was I thinking then? We all have flaws. But, oh, I wish we would realize the greatness, first of all, the cause that we have. And then God allows us to serve together. Well, I don't know if this farewell and final instruction speaks to you as it speaks to me, but this is what it does for me. Well, let's be reminded of what God has given us as the Emmanuel Baptist Church. Uh, As time ticks by, none of us are getting any younger. It's amazing to me as I See the, you know, there's those who taught me. There's those who I grew up with your children. And now I'm pastoring your grandchildren. I'm not old enough to do that. You're old enough to have one of your students pastor you, but I'm not old enough to, you know what I'm saying. What a joy we have. We have something special. Let's take advantage of it. Let's be thankful for it. Say, Pastor, what's the purpose of this message as we come to a conclusion? Have you thanked God for what he's allowed you to be a part of? And then, may we have the spirit of Paul. Oh, I heard that so-and-so and so-and-so are passing through. Make sure they have what they need. Let me remind you of that. All, all of, I, I'm, I'm, I can't get, I wish I could get back to Crete, but I'm here for the winter. As soon as I can, Titus, I'm going to send these two men to stand in your stead so you can come spend some time with me again. Then the salutation, all of us that are with me, greet you. And tell all of, and all, tell all of them that love us in the faith, grace be with you. There's a sweetness, there's a tenderness you know heaven, what heaven's going to be like, don't you? All God's children are home.
all God's children, if I can say it like this, are gathered around the table. Oh, what a time that's going to be. But we can have a taste of it here, and it's in the local church. I'll say this, and I'll be done. Almost. I feel sorry for those that don't know what it's like to have a church like the Emmanuel Baptist Church. Not in a pity sense, but in we know what we have and what it means to us. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. And by the way, don't let the devil entice you thinking there's something better out there. There's not. There's not. God's church is the place for God's people to make a difference for the cause of Christ. Father, I pray.